And so don't forget, you know, the people that have come along with you, you know, your professors, uh, even high school teachers, bosses in your early job, those kinds of people, you know, are there for you. And especially those that you have some kind of connection with. Welcome to From the Dorm Room to the Boardroom, a podcast where we provide insights, tips, and inspiration for college students and young professionals so they can make a really successful transition from college life to the professional world and beyond. My name is Andy Malinsky, and I'm your host. I'm also a professor of organizational behavior and international management at Brandeis University's International Business School, where we record and produce this podcast. Okay, so our guest today is Ginger Gregory, who is a psychologist and executive vice president and the chief human resources officer at Biogen. Uh, Ginger has a passion for developing people, teams, and organizations. She's a career HR executive with over 20 years of experience, leading teams in multiple industries and business contexts, and has worked and lived in three countries and six cities. So thank you, Ginger, so much for joining us. Thank you, Andy. I'm thrilled to be here. Great. So, So let's start actually by hearing a bit about uh, what you do? What, what, what's what's your job? Uh, how long have you been at this job? Tell us about it. Do you like it? Oh well, okay. So first of all, I love it. And so what I do is I'm head of human resources, and human resources is the function um, in companies and organizations that takes care of people and teams from hiring through to retiring. That's the way we like to think about it. And so we lead recruiting, campus recruiting, mid-career recruiting. We also, you know, help to make sure that people successfully join the company, what we call onboarding. Uh, so kind of new, new hire orientation. Uh, we manage the compensation and, and rewards programs. So, you know, how we pay people, what we pay people, how we develop people. So promotions and training and uh, lots of other things in between. But so what I do is manage a team that uh, comes up with ways that we do all those things. And we're constantly tr- figuring out how do we do those things um, in this day and age with this new workforce. And you know, there are a lot of changes that are going on in the world. And so how can we do that effectively? And our, our company is global. And so we do these things across the world. So, so okay, that that's a that's a that's a great summary, and, and I think that'll be really interesting for people to hear. Uh, t- tell us where you went to where you, if we can rewind, tell you tell us where you went to college, what you majored in. You know, tell us a bit yeah. about your college experience, and maybe then then it would be great to kind of fill in the gap between college and where you are today. But first, let's start with college. Well, so I went I I went to two different colleges. So I went to one place, and I grew up in New Mexico, and I went came east. That's what we say in the West. Came hmm. east to college and hated the first college I went to. I will I'll not use its name. <laughs> and um, well, I didn't hate it, but it wasn't the right fit for me. And so I transferred and I ended up transferring to the University of Massachusetts in Amherst. And I studied psychology. And the reason I studied psychology was because I started out as a business major and didn't find it compelling enough. You know, my one business class, I was like, ah, this is boring. 
So I studied psychology because my sister asked, I, I said, oh, I don't want to study business. And she said, well, what classes do you like? And I said, I like psychology. And she said, well, major in psychology. And I said, okay. And that's, that was the end of that. I studied psychology. I love, 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 love the field of psychology. And will continue to read, uh, you know, studies and things um, for the rest of my life. So I graduated with a degree in psychology, didn't know what I wanted to do. I went to a lecture by a professor who talked about there are many different kinds of psychology if you want to, that you, you may want to pursue. Don't, at the time, it was very popular to go into clinical psych. And so since I wasn't sure, I, I thought I, you know, I should probably work for a while. And so I took a, I, I worked for maybe two and a half years before I went back to graduate school. And while working, figured out that what I liked was trying to help organizations be more Every time I was in a couple different companies, and where my mind went to was, how can we make this company more effective? You know, either with different people, people sitting next to different people, people, you know, doing work differently, and learned that there was this field called organizational, industrial organizational psychology. And so I got a PhD in IO psych, and I loved graduate school. It was, and I worked through graduate school as well, but it was just great training for me. And so after graduate school, I went to a job fair and was interviewing at the, I mean, it wasn't a job fair, it was a Society for Industrial Organizational Psychologists Conference, and they had a job fair at the conference and interviewed some people, interviewed with some people and was um, recruited to a small consulting firm. And the consulting firm did what we call uh, individual assessments, so um you know, you sit down and do deep dives with people before they're hired or once they're hired and coaching and feedback. And the firm also did, you know, training sessions on, you know, how to be a more effective employee, um, you know, management training. So I went and did some consulting work for a few years. No, it's it's a it's a it's a great story, and I've already as you've been talking, I've been jotting down some questions. So actually, why don't we why don't we pause there? So it sounds like where we've paused is 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 sort of immediate post phd and i'd love to just rewind for one second and you said something really interesting and it really resonated with me because it's something that i hear from students actually a question i hear from students a lot they come into my office and ask me you know should i go to graduate school or should i work first and you said you said um i thought i should work for a while that's what you said and so i'm curious Let's dig into that just for a moment. Yeah. How did you come to that conclusion? You must encounter, you know, college students, recent student, recently graduated students. You must offer advice or have a perspective on this. Can you talk a little bit about it? Yeah. Well, so for me, you know, I, I always knew I wanted to go to get more education, but I wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to study for graduate school, and so that's why I said, well, let me go try out a few different kinds of uh, roles. Well, maybe I didn't say, try out a few different kinds, but I went, I became a counselor. And I then, that was a little bit that, you know, I, I realized, okay, that, that was a little too specific for me. Then I did some back office kind of more data analytics type of work and had some really good experiences with that. And then I kind of did some broader, more, um, I don't know, sort of drug study kinds of things. And so for me, you know, I really wanted to try a few things on and get a few experiences before I picked 
Do I want to study social psych, clinical psych, um, you know, the different kind. I knew I wanted to study psychology because I loved it so much, but I wasn't really sure which kind. And what was driving me was my interest, um, less so than, you know, this is the, my interest, which would lead obviously to a job, but it wasn't, you know, I wasn't studying, okay, what, you know, if you study social psych, what kind of jobs can you get after that? I was real, what I was really driven by was, you know, what was interesting to me and how did I feel like I could really make a difference? Did um, a lot of uh, people I speak with, young people, I guess young is always um, from the perspective of me, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, uh, young people I speak with often are afraid of, um, not afraid, but like worried about getting that first job. Um, what if it's not the right job? What if it's not the, the perfect first job and so on? And it sounds like, I, I'm, I, I don't want to read into it, but it sounds like you didn't have that concern you were sort of dabbling a bit. Is that right? Absolutely. And I, um, you know, I can't exactly remember the perspective I had back then, but I highly encourage people to dabble. I mean, in this day and age, you know, being in one company for a year and then going to another one, that's, that's no big deal. I mean, when I was dabbling, it was probably slightly less um, common, but I think it's really important to try a few things out. And, and say, okay, yeah, this size company, this location, this kind of thing. Um, and I, I definitely encourage people to, because not everything, not every company or organization is the same. You know, and I know a lot of people who you know, are in nonprofit, then they want to go to a for-profit kind of place. And I, and I think people need to try out a few things, um, dabble, as you say, because you can really learn a lot about, okay, which, you know, which is the best fit for me. And so not only dabbling in the kind of organization, but also dabbling in, you know, do I want to do a sales role or would I prefer to kind of be back office doing, you know, analytics or programming? So I think you can't completely dabble in every kind of function, but you can um, a bit. Yeah, that was just going to ask. That's that's great. You you almost answered my question there was, you know, as you're, you know, trying things out what questions should you be asking yourself? You, you sort of answered that a bit. Like, you know, what, what part of the business do I like? Do I like sales? Do I like marketing? Do I like finance? Do I like HR? What are other questions? You, know, you talked about what kind of company. Are there any other questions that should be on someone's mind as they dabble, as they try, as they experiment? Yeah. I mean, I think that people should, you know, do they like working in a small organization where they can be kind of the what's the expression of the, the big fish in a small pond kind of thing. Right. It's the same kind of thing when you're thinking about where to go to college, you want to go to a small college where you can do, you know, be on every club or do you want, and, and so organizations are similar. They're a small organization where you can, you know, touch and learn a lot um, and be a bit kind of more broad versus, you know, a very large organization. You know, there are some organizations that, and I, people need to ask themselves, do I do better when I have more direction? So there are programs that companies have that are, you know, six months you're in this rotation and then the company manages and moves you to the next rotation and the next rotation. And, you know, those are typically larger organizations, but they're very structured versus a small organization. If you're a bit more entrepreneurial and you want to touch lots of different things. I personally started out in much in very small organizations um, and that served me really well because I, but that, partly had to do with my personality. Yeah, I know. That's interesting. I think those questions are useful for people to have a, have sort of like a guidepost, something that they're looking at as they're 
in thinking about as they're experimenting. So let's let's move on to to advice. I'm going to ask you some sort of specific questions, and I know we sort of paused at your immediate post PhD experience, and then you know people might be wondering how you got from there to where you are now, and maybe we'll weave that in as we as as we talk some more. Um, so my first question is, what what misconceptions? do you think young professionals, college students have when entering the workplace? Uh, Great question. I think that one misconception that I I think young professionals have is assuming that the experience that they're having fully represents every other work experience. And especially when you're in your first job, you don't necessarily have the perspective that every single job, company, location, culture, they're a little bit different. And so people shouldn't overgeneralize. And if, you know, they, and I'll take a negative example, but if somebody's really unhappy in their role, then do something about it. Either, you know, talk to somebody or look for a different role. And the other misconception I think is that they're, and and this, I can, it's easy to say, but it's, it takes maybe some time to come to this appreciation, but there's no perfect job or company. And it's somewhat a matter of some trade-offs and just making sure that you're having a good fit. Um, another misconception I sometimes see is that people think that they have to kind of stay in their lane and you know that everything they're supposed to do is written down. And I really encourage people to volunteer, raise their hand, you know, ask questions, get involved in other projects, work, et cetera. Um, and then another misconception is that they think that they're, they are supposed to know everything right away. And everybody that comes into a new role, a new company, you know, is learning. And that's, that is expected. So you don't have to know everything right away. That's a really important one. I hear that we had an event here the other night where we invited professionals in the we're in, we're recording this in Boston in the Boston area to talk to students and gosh, that kept coming up. You know, I, it's like almost like I actually wrote about it myself. I called it the credibility paradox that you have to have um it's like you feel that you need to have credibility right away before you even have credibility. And so, how do you like I mean, that's a really interesting question. How do you make a positive impression early on because that's important, but at the same time have it be okay that you don't know everything? Like what, what can someone do? Well, I mean, I think that you, that people need to talk to people, right? I mean, it sounds really basic, but ask questions and that's okay to ask questions. And, um, you know, if people are, if, if people are really nervous about asking questions because they think they sound stupid, I, I encourage people to write them down, do a little research. And if they can't figure something out, come back and ask, somebody a question find somewhere safe to get the answers um so so so, yeah yeah. no i was just gonna say that that that's an interesting one so the very asking like so like if you ask a question and it's a good question and it's a thoughtful question and it's a question that you've researched and it's a question that's pertinent and all those other things that that maybe that in and of itself enables you to make a good impression and at the same time, learn. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I completely agree. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, so you talked a little bit about it, you know, how you were so passionate and still are about psychology. Were there any skills other than, you know, you sort of your interest in psychology, anything you learned from college that ended up being really important uh, for you 
in the professional world. And, and, I, and I do know you did the, your PhD as well. So perhaps it's more that than college. But can you speak to the sort of the connection between what you did, what you experienced, what you learned in the educational world and how that helped you or hindered you, I guess, in the professional world? Well, the, the most important thing that I learned in college and graduate school, well, a very important thing, or maybe not the most important thing, was you know c- critical problem-solving skills. And so in my field, I really need to kind of peel back the onion and figure out what's really going on. And so learning how to really solve problems and also statistics, I definitely would encourage anybody to familiarize yourself with statistics. Um, it doesn't have to be super complicated, but that, that was very important for me because, you know, I'm faced with problems every single day, all, all day long. And, you know, somebody has a theory as to why this, this thing is happening. And I have to be really good at saying, okay, let's figure out what's going on here. And for me, a lot of it has to do with people. So the second thing that I really valued was anything that I learned about, you know, personality, um, influence models, personality models, those types of things really help me um, very much because those are the types of problems that I'm figuring out how to, how to resolve. But, you know, the simple kind of causation, correlation types of things in stats was really helpful for me when I'm challenging other people. I said, no, that's not why that happened. You know, that, yes, those two things happened at the same time, but let's figure out what really caused something. Yeah, that's great to hear. And I'm sure students who are studying for stats will be happy to know the, <laughs> the uh, yeah. <laughs> what they're learning now will help them in the future. Speaking of which, um, let's hear a student question. Um, so today's, today's question comes from Paige. And it's an interesting question. Um, it's about, she's curious what it's going to be like to be managed. So let's hear, let's hear her question. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play it for you. Hi, my name is Paige. I'm a psychology and human development major from Boston, and I'm wondering how to adjust to being managed. Well, that, that's a great question, Paige, and thanks for asking it. And I love your major. Um, but at any rate, the adjusting to being managed is a very interesting question because I don't, it's not like you're a, uh, you know, in the circus or an animal or something. I mean, you're still a human and your manager is also a human. And I think the you know, again, I'm going to come back to some really basic things, but asking some questions about what is expected and, you know, ask, I love when people ask me, how do, you know, do they, how do I prefer to be communicated with? So, you know, when you're going into a new role, ask your new manager, do they like email? Do they like phone calls? Do they like face-to-face meetings? So asking about kind of the process of the work as well as what the work is can be very beneficial. That's an excellent. That's an excellent point. So, so not not only what it's like to be managed, but how you can how you can play that role of being managed most successfully and to your advantage. Um, excellent. So, so let's we're gonna we're sort of moving towards the end. I want to ask you. I, I sometimes call this like the quick fire round. It's it's really just a series of questions where I want to kind of get your quick response. Though I have to admit, some of these questions really might invite a longer response. But let's we'll keep them fairly quick. Okay, I'll try. I'll try and be quick. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a reflection on you. It's more. It's more the fact that there's you know there's so many questions here that I think people want to know about. So 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 the first one's about motivation. So simple question. What gets you motivated at work? Making a difference, solving problems, helping people to work with each other. And is that on a? You wake up, you know, you you you're in a you're in a traffic jam. 
Uh, you get to the office late. You spill some coffee on your on your clothes. You're, I'm not saying this is you. I'm just trying to paint a picture. You know, <laughs> you have a thousand emails. You know that guy Malinsky keeps you know bugging you about being on the podcast. Uh, how do you how do you stay motivated? How do you cut through the sort of the daily noise? I do yoga. Uh, no, I, honestly, I actually really do think that it's important because I have a lot of, you know, there are a lot of stressors and it is really helpful for me to you know, take time for myself and kind of ground myself on a regular basis. Um, but I stay motivated in my industry. It's very easy to stay motivated because we have patients that we're trying to help. And so being able to, you know, when something really stressful is happening or thinking about just going back to what the mission of my company is, really helps me a lot. So on that note, what I, I, I was, I was just, um, might not be exactly on that note. It was something I was thinking about as you were talking about a young professional and what, what do you think makes a good mentor, uh, for, for young professionals? Um, I, I suppose in some ways we're, we're hoping right now that our advice is, is mentoring advice, but sort of in a more broader scale, what makes for a good mentor? Well, I've, I've had lots of mentors over my life. None of them were officially mentors. And so what has made a good mentor for me is somebody that came at something, came at the, the field, the, the organization from a very different perspective. And I like their, you know, I liked them. And so then I would end up, you know, having conversations with people and it, they were very different than me, very different backgrounds, you know, uh, and so to me, a good mentor to me was somebody that was very different than I was, that you know was engaging and liked having conversations with me, and I could ask advice like, "Well, what do you think about this?" and and I think a good mentor from the, my mentors were not in my organization. That also, and I, everybody who's listening to this has many people that they know in their life, and you know, asking people, you know, about their experiences, sharing your experiences, and asking for advice is not always the easiest thing to do, but it really can be very helpful. So how do you do that? I think a lot of, um, a lot of people worry about um, reaching out to someone they don't know. Should they, should they look more in their immediate circles exclusively? Should, and, and, and what if there's someone out there that they might be interested in having as a mentor, but they're not sure how to approach it? Do you, you know, I assume you don't just sort of cold call someone and say, would you be my mentor? <laughs> yeah, I think that that's a little maybe intimidating <laughs> on, the, on the one hand. On the other hand, people are kind of honored when they, they somebody says, hey, could you, you be willing to give me a little advice, right? And I would definitely start within some circles that you know, but you know, once people have graduated from college, your professors and colleagues, I mean, and other students are still there for you. And I think that, you know, anybody will answer, hey, can you give me a little advice on this? And so don't forget, you know, the people that have come along with you, you know, your professors, uh, even high school teachers, um, bosses in your early jobs, those kinds of people, you know, are there for you. And especially those that you have some kind of connection with. Uh, And rather than saying, hey, will you be my mentor? Just say, I have a question. Can you give me a little advice? Or I have this thing I'm working on and, you know, could I get your perspective on it? Yeah, and, and to to keep in touch with these folks, to 
to build that relationship over time. And I, I do find that myself too, that people, the students, you know, sometimes it's not even a student that I knew well in college, but afterwards they've reached out to me multiple times. And I, I agree with you that it, 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 it you, you get something out of it as a mentor tremendously, actually, to make a difference. So let me ask you one last question and then, and then, we'll, then we'll wrap it up. Uh, if you, if you could go back in time, so we, we heard about your early college experience. You didn't like the first, the first college not to be named. You didn't like it. You ended up at UMass. You loved UMass, or at least you loved psychology and so on. Um, if the, if you could go back in time is in sort of speak to your college self, uh, but from the perspective now of, of what you know, now, is there a piece of advice that you'd give to that sort of 20 year old version of you? Yeah, be patient. It's a long journey. And I think that, you know, don't be too nervous. I think I was very, always very, um, you know, what's the next thing? How am I, you know, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? And it, it is a long, uh, I'm learning now as I'm kind of later on. So don't be too uh, stressed out about what's the next thing or um, is this the perfect thing? You know, get, like if you're in a role, you experience it for whatever for for what it's worth. If you're miserable, get out of it. But at the same time, really try and be patient and learn from what and learn from the experiences that you're having. I think that's fantastic advice, and I think it's it's hard advice to take. I think is a is a twenty twenty one year old when your friends are you know filling out those applications to law school and medical school and everything just seems so set for them and you're you're not feeling that way but i i think i absolutely agree with you i think that's that's fantastic advice and so we're we're at the end and uh and and um i wanted to thank you so much for for coming on and, and sharing your wisdom with us um i really appreciate it well, well thank you for having me andy Thank you for listening to From the Dorm Room to the Boardroom. If you're interested in learning more about the work that I do and helping people step outside their comfort zones and transition successfully into the professional world, please visit my website, www.andymolinsky.com. That's A-N-D-Y-M-O-L-I-N-S-K-Y.com. And also feel free to email me directly at Andy at andymolinsky.com with any feedback or ideas for guests for future podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Brandeis University's International Business School. By teaching rigorous business, finance, and economics, connecting students to best practices, and immersing them in international experiences, Brandeis International Business School prepares exceptional individuals from around the globe to become principled professionals in companies and public institutions worldwide. Thank you so much for listening.